podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software, who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to series two, episode nine of the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down with women in their teens, twenties and thirties who've dared to go solo and launch their own businesses around the UK and ask them to open up to me about everything they've been through both in front of and behind the scenes, the good, the bad and the at times challenging beyond belief to get to where they are with their businesses today. Before I introduce today's episode... I'm so happy to say that the tickets for the last She Can, She Did Roadshow of the year are now live. But this time, with Christmas looming, the midweek mingles have been replaced with the midweek jingles, aka everything you get at the midweek mingles, with a whole lot more festive fun thrown in for good measure to ensure that we all get to celebrate all of our hard work that we put in throughout 2019 in style, and importantly, together. I'm having so much fun plotting away behind the scenes working on them. I feel like one of Santa's little elves. I may or may not have ordered a stupid amount of card and cracker snaps and Christmas crowns the other day because my evenings over the next few weeks will involve making over 300 she can she did bespoke fancy pants crackers in my spare time but that's a whole other story. Anyway, all of the details about each midweek jingle in London, Manchester and Milton Keynes can be found on the She Can She Did website or on Instagram, but it really does go without saying, but I'm going to say anyway, that I would absolutely love to see you there. Right, today's episode is with the utterly charming 23-year-old that is Jessica Blackler, founder of the vegan and cruelty-free makeup brand that is Jekka Black, a makeup for all genders, sexualities, expressions, abilities, pronouns, shapes and sizes that she launched in her late teens after gaining multiple clients when she was working as a freelance makeup artist who were transitioning or who'd already transitioned that felt isolated by the customer journey that they were receiving from traditional makeup brands. From how she grew a dedicated client base of trans women who went on to influence the entire Jekka Black range, which includes an incredible story of how she ran workshops with transitioning prisoners within one of the UK's largest all-male prisons in Bridgend as a teenager how she gained the support of L'Oreal's innovation team through a network of other like-minded entrepreneurs and her experience seeking investment and why she was willing to be patient throughout the process to the biggest struggle she's faced on her journey so far and how her relationships have evolved as Jekka Black's grown given that at 23 her current circumstances are starkly different to some of her friends there's an unwavering aura of confidence that Jessica possesses in not just her brand but her ability to grow it into the empire that it has the potential to become and for that reason I won't be forgetting this chat anytime soon. As always I really really hope you enjoy it. Jessica let's start with what your business is all about and we'll just go from there. Okay, yeah, so my business is called Jekka Black. It's a makeup brand that's gender-free and vegan. So that's that's what we are. How old are you? 23. 23? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, that's just mad because your brand, everything from just the branding itself, what it stands for, your story, mm. you, you say it so casually, like it's just, yeah. you know, a gender-free vegan beauty <laughs> brand, but it's like there's so much backstory to this. So yeah. let's delve into that, about the story behind Becca and yeah, what yeah, launched yeah. you. What launched you? What inspired you to launch Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started the brand by being a makeup, well, I was a makeup artist in film and TV. The reason I got 
got into that is because I was like creative in school. So I did that straight from school. Really. Back in went, Wales. Back in Wales, yeah. As in like I went to school in Wales and then I moved to London to work in film and TV. So I trained and worked in Ealing Film Studios. And then basically I was doing a lot of prosthetics. So I was more into the character work of things. And then there's like downtime in film and TV, obviously, where you're not really working as much. So I wanted to have private clients, like weddings and whatever else. So started to advertise for that and have those services. And then what happened was literally I made a website on my like myself and it was really bad. But um, I had a request. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a request. It was really bad though. I had a request straight away because I actually attached it to a Gumtree ad back in Wales. And it was from someone that was male and wanted to have makeup done. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I think, yeah, I'm 23 now. I was actually 18 at the time. Because I'm so young, I didn't. Like, our, like my generation, our generation, like we don't question that. So like I was like, yeah, too cool, like whatever. So that was my first client. And I actually had a friend that had transitioned anyway, but she said that actually it was a problem for people that were trans, like the makeup and the, that beauty journey was very different. So it was something that would be really amazing if I could do and, and specialize in. Because of what? Because if they approach a beauty stand and say boots, it's, you know, they're not, welcomed or what was it that was it was a load of things loads of different things the barrier that lots of them had in store and like with that customer journey was the fact that most of like the sales assistants would be trained for women so they wouldn't necessarily know how to do makeup on a male face mm-hmm. but like covering beard shadow is a huge barrier that lots of my clients faced but also even before you start doing the makeup they would get barriers with like a customer experience in terms of they would assume they were shopping for their wives and mm-hmm. it was very much lack of education around that so a lot of my clients used to go into store and pretend they're shopping for their wives and that's just not the experience you want if you're spending money and whatever else you should really have a brand that's tailored to you and also lots of like 90% of my clients were people that hadn't come out as trans to family and friends so they really wanted to go somewhere where they would be secured and mm-hmm. safe and not see someone like see anyone and not have that risk because it's a huge thing so that's basically how it started so from that first client I then realized okay this might be something that would be quite interesting to explore into and started the studio so I had like opened a studio in Wales and had clients come from all over like they came from like Glasgow and all over and that's when Jack of Black was born like we wanted to expand into that but yeah amazing I'm gonna jump in yeah. you said open the studio even that small thing to me no, is like so, it's loaded. yeah yeah so, yeah like, so no it wasn't like a, it was <laughs> it wasn't like a studio that was like a shop front or anything it was actually I had a space attached to my house that I, con- I converted myself yeah. so it's still very much started no, 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 no. yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. kind of thing where you hear those statements and you're like god how did you do that? oh no yeah so I actually started by going and meeting clients in their own area. So I would go to a lot of hotels, I would do a lot of home visits. But I found that I wanted to have my own place because of travelling, but also because it was just a place where I could build like a brand and yeah, have my brand so. feel in that area. So that's when I started like converting basically my old lounge into a studio. Yeah, <laughs> and in terms of like, you know, you're going from having that studio and kind of there's a difference between being a makeup artist and yeah. launching a makeup 
brand. Yeah, yeah. So can we go through that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically it did happen though because I found my customer before I had my product. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of brands now, a lot of makeup brands. There's like a new brand every day, that's what they say. And like there's so many, so many different brands. And I think it's amazing, but you really need to have that niche aspect of it. Or just something different. And I always say it's like the groundwork. Like yeah, yeah. You yeah. lay that groundwork and Obviously, then launch the product or it, whatever the, yeah. the service is. Put your name down first. Yeah. And then when you launch something... People yeah. they know your story, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, it's so, so, so important because I, I thought that was so obvious, but apparently not yeah. to people, you know, that are not brands. Anyway, so I had clients that were demanding beard shadow coverage. That was, like, the number one request. Mm-hmm. And they wanted something that would, that would kind of go on their beard shadow, cover it, but also a product that could educate them about how to do that. So a lot of the products that they had on the market like when I was doing makeup were too small for people to open even like little palettes obviously for you and I like it's quite easy but if you're a large male that's trying to open a small eyeshadow palette even even, my eyeshadow palettes yeah and I've got baby no exactly (laughs) exactly so like even down to that you're not spoken to by that brand even Mm -hmm. like you can't even open up the product so 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 everything from packaging to the actual formulation to the brand was literally from my customers and me working together and creating that first kind of groundwork like you said and I, I did that because it's obviously very important to have your customers at the heart. But also, as a startup, you need to make sure that those products are going to sell. So I was like, okay, do you like this product? Yeah, okay, now let's put it on the market and then you can buy it. Yeah, um, because otherwise, you like I said before, like if you go and build a brand and then try and find your customers, like lots of brands do, then it's it's really difficult for the startup because you, you haven't really got the groundwork there. Yeah, and definitely. Then, yeah. I'm interested because the prison story weaves into this but just before the product, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's such a, like an incredible part of you laying groundwork. Yeah, so yeah. So let's, let's dive into that. I feel like... Yeah, so I was doing clients in the studio and I don't know how, but I was approached by some media um, people and they wanted to know more about what I was doing. Back in Wales, yeah. Yeah, and I have like I there was like ITV and I think a few others involved, but this one particular article was in the local newspaper, and it ended up in a prison, and the prison is a large prison outside a place called Bajand, and it was in the newsroom. This paper was in the newsroom where prisoners can access newspapers and whatever else. And it's a male prison. It's a male prison, yeah. And it's one of the biggest in the UK. I think they hold 2,000 prisoners, so it's really big. So the, the newspaper was in this newsroom and my article was like ripped out of this newspaper and put underneath one of the officers' doors with a note to say something along the lines of, look what this girl is doing and I guess, can we buy her in or whatever else. So this officer is actually LGBT himself and understood straight away the need for that kind of service got in touch and said is there any way you would ever consider coming in and doing a makeup lesson and I was like absolutely because How I think at this point? we were 19 20 mm-hmm. I was like absolutely because I think it's obviously so important to see that spectrum of the like, community as much and have as much of like ha- help as much as possible kind of thing but also what an incredible experience to try and teach people on how to do makeup inside so I remember my first time going I brought a model along with me who was a trans model that I used to work with quite a lot because I wasn't able to touch their faces I'd have to like show them on a model and I brought in my makeup kit and I never forget it because obviously 
it's a male prison. They've never seen makeup in their lives, like the security. So we spent hours in security before we got in. And I had to like make sure there was no glass or like mirrors in my kit. So yeah, my first lesson was really just teaching them on how to do the basics. But then like basically it was like a small room in the prison. There was about six or seven prisoners and, and they, loads they of officers. Did, they didn't know each other, did they? So no, yeah, exactly. So what I assume, what I noticed in the first session is they were obviously interested in the makeup, but they were really interested in just like kind of beauty hair, lifestyle, what it's like to live as a trans woman in the outside world. And then they were also interested in getting to know each other. And what, what happened was basically, obviously they were all separated in the prison. They're not kept together at all. And they don't actually have any opportunity to come together as like a group. So I said to the officer, like, obviously, you know, I would like to do this, voluntary come and do this weekly if I could to just to bring that community together because obviously I know that it's such an important part of the process when you're transitioning is to have that support around you Mm -hmm. whether it's through people like in the community or family and friends and they were lacking that massively oh I can imagine and in terms of transitioning being in a male one of the biggest male prisons it's pretty much the most hostile place you could transition yeah absolutely and there was no way of them like identifying themselves differently Mm. to the male prisons they weren't allowed to wear wigs they had no makeup the clothes that they're given obviously are just very much tracksuits and t-shirts and things like that so they were finding that really difficult as well to not even be able to put a little bit of lipstick on or something so I think it was really important to bring that community together so that's what I started to do I started to do it more regularly and then after a while because bless Jess she actually did have a full time job so I couldn't take her in all the time so I said to the officer is there any chance I can like do the makeup on the prisoners and and kind of help because it's so much easier to explain when you're doing it on someone's face Mm. rather than trying to show them on someone else's and that's what I ended up doing and that's quite rare because basically you can't really touch like the prisoner's face obviously as you can imagine so that was a really good way of me like kind of connecting with the prisoners and, and really understanding what they wanted and that was again another struggle that they had was the beard shadow coverage and everything else and I guess from you as well that must have built so much confidence for you I mean I don't know yeah like kind of just assuming but like the fact that the prison not only allowed you to come in trusted you to just lead the one workshop but make it a regular thing and give you that access to like be able to touch their face yeah 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 that's so much trust in the fact that not only what you're offering is of value but also you are yeah no it's so so it was so yeah and I think also touch it sounds bizarre but like if someone's quite nervous and things like that kind of like having someone else apply makeup on you kind of relaxes you as well and I think the prisoners really enjoyed that having their makeup done was a huge I guess relief in some ways so what then led you to move to London because that's where the brand has been born hasn't it yeah so basically I moved to Manchester and then I moved to London so I so okay so I used to live in London when I was younger doing my makeup and film and TV, went back to Wales, that's where I started the studio, and then we work with a lot of charities in Manchester, so I actually moved to Manchester to like establish that side of the business and work on more the community driven kind of side of the brand, like I said like the groundwork is so important, so that is a huge part of a brand, is the community around. So what are you doing there? So basically I would do like a lot of workshops, a lot of makeup lessons and things like that. Are you charging at this point? So I would charge for like one-to-one yeah. and that was what I was basically doing in the studio, but I would 
I wouldn't charge when obviously I was working with charities. There's yeah, like a lot of yeah. charities and meetup groups in Manchester. Manchester's, I think, like the leading LGBT city in the UK. So I moved there and then I got the partnership with L'Oreal, which I'm sure we'll go on to later. And I moved to London because I was having to go to Paris a lot on the on the train. So yeah. Let's roll with that. Come on. <laughs> so and this is what I love about these stories. I love like picking at them because then I got the partnership with L'Oreal. That's huge. Yeah, That's yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah. L'Oreal recognising you, L'Oreal yeah. trusting you, L'Oreal bringing you on board is a big deal. So how did that come about? Yeah, so I... And how proactive were you in getting that or did they come to you? As you know, with starting a brand, you like network like everywhere. Yeah. You try and just be everywhere and um, anywhere. And it turns out that a friend of a friend was quite high up in L'Oreal and basically forwarded my details across to the innovation side of the team. So obviously L'Oreal's huge and this team that was part of the innovation was very new um, and it was a new part of L'Oreal and what they were doing and what they are doing is focusing on tech for L'Oreal. So they focus very much on working with startup brands that are tech driven and some skincare and makeup brands. Mm -hmm. So that's what the partnership is. So we're very much mentored by them and they help us really hands-on with lots of different things from marketing, product, strategy, anything really. Anything I need, I'm like, please. Because they are obviously the king of beauty. <laughs> like yeah. they, So yeah, so I, I have made the most out of that opportunity so much where it started by just being a six-month thing and then it went on to a year thing and now it's gone on to, okay, we'll help you as, like, as much as you can situation. So... I'm still very much in touch with all my mentors that um, I was given by L'Oreal and it's up to them on how much they want to work with Jacko or not. And because I like it's all about relationships, because I've built up that relationship with them, they're very much keen to help a young yeah. startup. So Which is incredible because you know, it would almost me being cynical would think that they'd see a brand like yours and want to swallow it up quickly. Yeah. Because it's I can it's doing Mm. You know, for for them, that's a big. It's a, this is me cynical. Philanthropy tick. Yeah, and of course. On board quickly because there's obviously a market there as well. So yeah. I think that's kudos to them for being supportive there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really. And I think they try because I've always asked them, "What's in it for you?" Situation, mm. but I think also they try and keep that entrepreneurial spirit within L'Oreal. They have some amazing groups within the L'Oreal organisation and they really encourage like employees to be entrepreneurial and or, and almost have that entrepreneurial spirit in, within such a large organisation. It's quite difficult to do. So I think working with startups allows employees and to keep that, to keep yeah, that kind of way yeah, yeah, way of thinking. And yeah, it's been really, really helpful. Now we're in London, we're just, yeah. we're just hopping all over the UK. Let's talk the actual makeup yeah. and getting that off the ground. You've mentioned fundraising. To mm -hmm. me, the minute someone launches a makeup brand, that's expensive because of the product testing that needs to be involved. You know, How did you approach the actual getting physical makeup? Yeah, so there? I launched the brand self-funded through the makeup lessons yeah. and we had 
money and resources to bring out one product and that's all I could do and then I knew that I would get traction and then I would go and raise funds elsewhere so that was the that was the plan that's what happened so yeah obviously money is a massive part of running a business and setting up one raising finance was obviously difficult and I'm sure lots of people will tell you that what path did you go down I like looked down lots of different kind of ways of raising money I ended up going with an angel investor but actually someone that has like an umbrella of brands in the beauty industry so I really wanted that with like strategic investors and someone that could not just give me capital but also experience but it took so long to get that I can't tell you how like I could write a book about the stories I'm in it right now it's just absolutely boring yeah no it is honestly and I think people don't talk about it enough as well because it's actually like quite mentally um, exhausting um, and also I think Yeah. yeah I think I I was raising money in, in Manchester and I used to just, yeah, find it exhausting. And I think it was, yeah, it's really, really difficult, really difficult time, actually. But I'm so happy now because I, also I was patient with that. I knew that the person that would understand the brand would get it and that would be it and it would be amazing. And that, that did actually happen, thank God. But that was after about six months of yeah, yeah. really having so many meetings with different people. And I think the challenges that I had... And I'm not one to blame it on, oh, I'm a female, or oh, I'm like 20 or whatever, like however old I was at the time. It was more of the fact that there was lack of education around the trans community, and that was my challenge, like personally. Like people didn't really get it, and they didn't get my vision. And obviously, as you can imagine, most investors are corporate white males and that's not yeah, like being but it is it's oh, very true you don't need to like yeah like the tiptoe around that that's a fact it is it is so trying to explain as you can imagine this is really difficult trying to explain what a trans woman is mm-hmm. to a very masculine male it was really hard like they, did, they just didn't understand it they didn't yeah. understand me they didn't understand the product but then when I eventually found my investors I was like oh I can chill out a bit and how did you approach things like working out how much equity you wanted to give away all of that yeah. because again like it, it's just a, it's a minefield like if you're not if you don't have a background in finance okay yeah so that is just a like, again it's just a joke <laughs> yeah I know so, it is and I think I think what is a really important part of my journey is like my network that I've created for myself so surround yourself by other entrepreneurs that have done it and then you get it off them like it's very much I don't want to say this and I hope no one like is listening that's involved in checker but it's very much finger in the air like you know like at the very much yeah everyone says that yeah everyone everyone says that at the beginning but it very much is and I think that's how I did it I just said this is kind of where I want to be, this is our vision, and that's what I think will work. But yeah, surround yourself by entrepreneurs, because when I moved to Manchester, I was part of the NatWest Accelerator, and obviously, you know, banks, so they they kind of helped me a bit with the finance side of things. And obviously there's entrepreneurs in there, there's about 80 entrepreneurs in the hub, or most of them are raising money. And some of them are doing quite large rounds of money, some are doing quite small, so it's just really important to like speak to other people, see what they're doing, and also, there's no way that the first investor you'll meet, like, you're, you're gaining finance from them yeah. because it, you, you meet so many. So the first investor, you might say something and they'll laugh. So you know you know then to yeah. put it down or whatever. <laughs> so you just, like, keep going and you yeah. perfect it. And then that'll be the investor that you get. That's no, so but, what yeah, did it, it feel was, like when the money was in the account? When you um, got the, yes, I, I believe in you. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was, it was 
it was someone believing in you and it, in a different way as well because mm. I think lots of people believe in you lots of friends and family and customers and whatever but there is a very different act of putting money on it you know putting money where your mouth is so it was yeah it was that and also putting money where your mouth is and having the belief where you put your money in but also the belief that they're going to get a return on that and the belief yeah. that you will be able to grow that yeah. and provide them with something chunky down the line yeah. you know I mean? yeah, that they yeah. see yeah. that trajectory that you're going to go somewhere yeah and I think that's why I would say with the equity side of things and with the projections with the deck and with everything else you have to do don't stress about it as much as some people do because mm. actually at this stage of the business we're still so small people are actually investing in me not really yeah. what I've done because we haven't done anything we haven't you know we've not done the traction that like if you're going for VC races yeah. and whatever that's a bit different but your first seed round it's very much about you yeah 100%. and um, that's what I mean when you meet so many investors you've just got to click with them and there's and I can't really explain it elsewhere like you know, no, I just, love that. Yeah. okay so money comes in talk me through how long from money in the bank to product what, what did that look like no so I had a product already so I already had like the first product but very much first product we wanted a rebrand so we were originally called Jacka I wanted a fresh new look and we then decided to call it Jacka Black like after my surname as well as my first name and yeah just had to, like get more of a like kind of brand out there mm-hmm. push it with PR push it with retailers so that was what we did at first and then we rolled in new products so mm-hmm. the new products came out in March time this year, and then we launched some products last month, and we launched some products throughout the summer. Yeah, so when I was gearing up for investment, I was also gearing up so I could just push the button and it all kind of go through yeah. with the product. Because like you mentioned before, it does take so long to create these products. So I wanted to make sure that I wouldn't be wasting someone else's time saying, "Oh, we've got the money and now. Let's wait eighteen months until we see anything through." So really making sure that we had everything set to go and push the button. Love that. Yeah, and I think raising money, I was going to say, is like a full-time job. So it was really difficult to balance actually working on the business, making sure it's still making money and things like that, and also raising money. Mm. It's a co-founder split the... yeah. But you did it, and that's to me. Yeah. Like for someone like me, I'm like, every time I hear these stories, I'm like, yeah, yeah, just keep going. But yeah. That's it. It's, it's, you know, you get there in the end. This podcast is sponsored by Zero Accounting Software who proudly support female entrepreneurs and help business owners to see their finances clearly. For help in getting your business digital ready, visit xero.com. Let's delve into the challenges. Yeah. What's been the hardest hat to wear since launching this business and how have you dealt with that? So one of the largest challenges is what I find, I'm not like the only one saying this as well when I speak to other entrepreneurs, is when you're starting out, you're very much involved in the small detail, like the runnings of the business, right through to executing the business. And sometimes I think that can be a challenge, trying to go from Instagram, literally, <laughs> to talking with the top retailer and talking about trade terms and things like that. That can be quite difficult because that kind of changeover happens sometimes from meeting to meeting, you yeah, know? Yeah. And that's something that I really want to change about 2020. Like, I really want to try 
and either hire people that are at that stage that way where we can I can get rid of the smaller detail or I just delegate more yeah definitely it's it's those little niggly bits that have to be done to get the business off the ground but also running yeah. and ticking over but it is it's just constantly in a day how many hats you wear I know it's just it's, it's actually crazy because I have we have like a team but it's, I find it really difficult to sometimes delegate stuff because I'm like no I don't want to let go of that yet yeah, like, gonna, what, what's the like uh, everything like everything <laughs> <laughs> like everything though I just I like to overlook things I like to still know what's happening speaking to customers is a huge part of what I enjoy but also I know that I can't do that every time and also yeah like literally literally everything the creative stuff is something that I really enjoy I, that's what I am like really good oh, at you're that. creative yeah. That, aren't you? yeah so I think most people don't mind letting that part go mm. where it's the branding the product development whatever else that is something that I would love just to concentrate on yeah. and just to have someone else do all the other stuff but the thing is it's like I think nowadays you've created this business for yourself it's obviously going to grow yeah and I think that you I always say, like, when you have your own business, you hold the reins. So as you grow, if that is a bit that you love, yeah. you have every right or, like, the power to make sure that you always are involved in that. Yeah, you yeah, You can outsource yeah. someone to be, like, your CFO one day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hopefully. Because you get that Yeah. You only meet someone, you just have a... I just think that you're just... Yeah, you'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, with the, you know, with the hat things, that you always end up doing... The roles you don't necessarily enjoy, and that's yeah. also quite mentally like challenging yeah. as well. Again, though, it's that reality of running a business is that you cannot launch a business, I don't think, without going through all of that slog and learning yeah. all those different things to get to where where it needs to be. Like you yeah. have to go through those motions before you get to outsource the stuff, the shitty stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're absolutely loaded and you know. Yeah, exactly. Day one, but is that realistic? In the grand and, no, and also I think when your brand is really about the story, the founder's story, the, about you, you also need to be present at a lot of those yeah. things. I couldn't really outsource people to go to speak to retailers about me because it, they would want to meet me. You yeah, know, so yeah. it's that whole thing so, of so you need to also be there at the time yeah. as well. Anything else yeah. challenging? Or has anything gone drastically wrong? Oh god, yeah, loads. <laughs> loads of things have gone drastically wrong. I've learned yeah, loads of things. Like stock going missing, retailers, lots of lots of def- different challenges. I think my I, and I honestly I could sit here all day. I can't pinpoint one, but I would say my way lots of things have like happened and and I'm like completely like, oh god, I don't want to do this anymore and whatever else. And I think my way of coping with it is just to really try and bring it back and chill out because mm-hmm. some things have happened and you know when you really it takes over your mind and you can't budget and you have to run a business where you've got to keep going and, and things, people are relying on you and everything else and these challenges happen all the time and it, I, mean, I mean weekly yeah. <laughs> and things go wrong a lot of the time but also things go right and my way of coping with it is literally just to go and like I, I, I go for runs a lot of the time when I'm just like face with yeah a good run and it's like a good run yeah. yeah no it's so it's so true though because yeah it's it's so so true but I always say like good things happen it's normally like delivered in a parcel of shit like yes. something goes right but then five other things go wrong yeah, so yeah. that's just that's just life but now you get so when, used to it so so true and yeah when it goes right I do think that those right moments when it does work they make all of the shitty stuff work good work yeah 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 they, they do definitely and I also think I'm pretty bad at celebrating the good stuff mm. so that's something I'm trying to do as well so I'm trying to 
get better and get used to dealing with the challenges on a daily basis, like the big challenges, I don't mean like small things, yeah. and then also get get good at celebrating things because I think that's something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. So true. When I turned 27 in August, I wrote these like notes of what I wanted to achieve this year. Like really like off the cuff, blah, blah, blah. And one of them was have more fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so true. It's yeah. just like actually celebrate I know. the good bits. It's just like let your hair down for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like a few, a few months ago when we had a few of these challenges, I thought, you know, I'm gonna wake up one day and I'm not gonna be 23. I need yeah. to like enjoy my 20s. Honestly. So I've like, yeah, so like go out and like, have drinks. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm just, like, you're so young. Yeah, no, I know. And like people, I guess that's a challenge as well when it infringes on your personal life. Mm -hmm. And I think the way this brand has infringed on my personal life is the fact that I am young. So lots of my friends yeah. are at very different stages. Let's go with that then. Yeah. It's something that I 100% wanted to bring up on here. To me, relationships and how they evolve is such an interesting topic when you launch a business. Yeah. So how have those around you reacted to this business from day one? Yeah. And have you seen any relationships evolve for the better or worse as this business has taken off? Yeah, so... When I started, like my parents are super supportive. I've got really good good parents. They actually are entrepreneurs themselves, so they get it. And lots of the challenges that I face, they don't understand it, but they are great to speak to. So, so they're amazing. And they understand the mindset. Well. They understand the mindset, yeah. yeah. But again, they've got a very different business. Mm -hmm. They've got a tech business, B two B, very different. Mm -hmm. So some of the challenges they don't understand. So, <laughs> I they believe, like you said, their mindset is something that I guess lots of entrepreneurs have mm -hmm. similar mindsets. So. They're amazing. Friends, great, but some of my friends, I think, we have distance naturally, because, okay, so when I was 18, I was doing makeup lessons for trans people in a studio. My friends were experimenting with different things in university, you know, like that's yeah, the yeah. that is literally, that's what was going on. You were on. going into prison. I was going into prison, yeah, 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 and like, literally making ends meet, and then they were just, yeah, waiting for their student loan and yeah. whatever else. So, naturally those relationships do part and I think the mindset thing of like the, the big challenges that I face day to day I just simply can't imagine them understanding so I don't think when you've grown up with friends kind of being around you and you, you all kind of go through the different stages together with growing up and then you start to part you end up just finding friends in the entrepreneurial space so a lot of my friends now are entrepreneurs mm. and they're really great at speaking with. One of my favourite podcasts, don't ask me why because I don't have kids, is Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the Giovanna Fletcher one. And they always talk about how some of, like all the, all the mums on there, talk about how some of their best friends are from their is it NCQT or whatever the baby okay, yeah, 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 yeah. are when they first are born because they all are experiencing motherhood together yeah. and it's just such a different part of their life and they bond and then they all grow up together and I they, think it's yeah. so similar in the business world it it's is it's that mindset you're all in it together you appreciate you can even if your businesses are so different it goes back to that mindset thing it does and you yeah. can tap in and you know where each other are if someone's having a bad day you know you're you're probably going to have one in a few days yeah yeah. yeah I, can, I don't it doesn't surprise me that you said that basically yeah and when I was saying about like, like working in a co-working space where you've got different entrepreneurs you literally look across the room and you see someone having a really bad day yeah. and you're like I was there yesterday but then you're having quite a good day and it goes yeah, goes yeah. like that and yeah and having those challenges like raising money is so important to surround yourself by people that understand so I think a lot of my relationships have 
grown in that way where I've found kind of different friends and, and people to find myself. And the ones that, like my friends that I've had from kind of school and whatever else, I've kept them at that level where you're just good friends that I go home and chill out and don't have to think about work around yeah. because that's what you also need as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's so true. Like, I've got my school friends all over tomorrow night and I always say to the girls, they're so supportive, they're my best friends. Yeah. But like, we've always been different. And yeah. Yeah, to me, I really need tomorrow night. I just yeah. need to yeah. switch off yeah. and have yeah. a girls' night. And like, I adore them, Yeah. but I don't talk to about them about business. No. They check in, they ask how it's going. I say, oh yeah, it's yeah, good. It's going good. Or, it's a bit shit. Yeah, 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 <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. And then that's and then we move on. But yeah, they're amazing. I like adore them for that. You know? Yeah, and it's always yeah, it's going really well. <laughs> and then they'll see something on social media and they'll be like, oh wow, it's like doing this. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. And they're like, how come you didn't mention it? No, no, no. I just don't feel the need to mention it to you. You know, like checking on social media. Where do you see the business going? Given that, like, the actual products have only gone to market this year, yeah, you're still so new in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. Like, but it's already such an impressive story, and you're obviously proving your work ethic. Blah blah blah. Where do you want it to go? So we are launching with a few retailers next year. Are we allowed to know who? Uh, not really yet, Damn. but <laughs> fortunately not. But well, anyway, <laughs> yeah, exclusive. So, <laughs> So we're launching some in Europe and the US. So that's a really exciting next step for us, kind of getting obviously more into the market and tapping into those retailers. The overall like vision for the brand is to kind of build a community around our mission, which is to be, like I said earlier, gender free. What I mean by that is to break down stigma and have anyone that wants to wear makeup wear makeup. And we have quite a good community of customers and people that are fans of the brand. And I really want to build that out, and, and that's my vision. Obviously, go as big and as wide as we can, but also try and keep to that mission. It's really, really important. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And in terms of your like lifestyle, how do you see, like in terms of the hours you want to put in and all of that yeah. thing, like how do you see this going? Is it like, are you, is this end game for you? I think so. I think it's, well, for the moment, I'm... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied for the moment. I am, like, obviously, I've got that entrepreneurial mindset. I'm always thinking about things I would do different to different products and everything else. I would like to have other businesses one day. But I actually, yeah, I'm really I'm really enjoying this because my everything's in this brand. Like, yeah. I can't even tell you. <laughs> so, you know, you know, when you're like, this is me. Oh, <laughs> Unfortunately, as sad as that sounds. No, I'm, but, um, to me, I'm literally like, nah. Like, yeah. And it's part of me now. I just, yeah. it, I can't imagine not having she can she did it's, yeah. it's just it's almost like an identity thing it's so it weird. is and what's so what I need to improve on is like that work life balance mm-hmm. and having friends that keep asking me how's Jacka before asking me how I am it's yeah. it, like that kind of stuff like kind of starting to annoy me now so it's like okay I need to start like having that time away from the brand and trying to detach it away from me a bit like mm-hmm. personally and like emotionally because when you go through challenges that are massive and really affect you you then learn that actually it's not a personal attack it's a business attack and over time I think you do become a bit 
you, you need to try and be arm's length. So I think that's what I want to improve on long term, like big vision. So right now then, what does downtime look like? Like this is the problem. <laughs> it doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like anything. Yeah, it doesn't really look like. No, I. You must have, like, some days off. So, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, I do, don't worry. So, part of the brand is a lot of events. So, a lot of the weekends, I am at events as well. But my downtime is just trying to, like, step away from the laptop. You know, when you're just watching telly, then you go to grab your laptop and it's like, no, stop yourself, trying to stop yourself. Because we're working in the US, like, we're trying to work with the US. The time zone. So, at literally 11 o'clock, I'll be like, let's just see saying before they go and clock off so downtime to me is literally just spending my time with family and friends like that's all and and going on my runs when I've got a challenge and just yeah really kind of focusing on myself that's so so good and I guess your family and friends do they check in and say you need to put the laptop down yeah oh yeah Yeah. I'm I'm not in I'm not in a relationship but when I was that was something that I think is quite challenging when you've got someone that in your life where you're finding it difficult to be there emotionally for them as well Mm -hmm. as yourself and well as a brand so I don't have that I have had that I think that's quite difficult to do when you're starting out a brand Mm -hmm. me and my ex like we ended on such great terms but earlier this year and this year has been such a like hardest year because of that first like proper hot Break, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It ended as good as it did, but like we always said that. Like he knew me before, and she can, she did, and he was there from the beginning, biggest cheerleader. But oh my god, me, my confidence, everything, like everything changed when I launched this, and like there's a real shift when you launch a business, I getting know. used to that from corporate life to suddenly. I don't know everything, and the pressure that put on us, like, yeah. because of because of me, like, as in I changed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely with you on that. Like, it's I know, just that, that yeah. adjustment, and it's, yeah. It's yeah, really it's really, fun. well, my ex and I broke up, like, at the beginning of the year as well, and he is also an entrepreneur, so you would think that might help, <laughs> but actually it doesn't, and it's quite difficult to both, because if he, he was having a bad day, I might be having an alright day, and then vice versa, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, trying to separate yourself away from that world, like beyond, you know, work, and then having someone that's also trying to do the same, it just clashes massively. Yeah. Going forward then, when it comes to like dating with your own business and stuff, yeah. like, I, I love this topic, so in yeah. terms of... Um, I don't like, know how to do it. I've tried dating in London and it's hilarious. <laughs> like, I just think, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to stereotype, but in general, I can't imagine many... 23-24-25-year-old-guys-that-you-meet-on-Tinder-are-going-to-have-a-growth-trajectory-to-yours-house-like-impact-that-yours-is-having. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think men kind of hold back on that. No. No, I don't
some things that I love it. I'm not that bothered about. <laughs> I'm not that bothered because I don't really want anything like that anyway yeah, at this yeah, stage of my life. Yeah. So yeah, something that I'm just settled to just laugh at and yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. <laughs> I always end on some statements. I'm gonna see if I can remember them. Okay. I'll start you finish. So being my own boss means enjoying enjoying every day. Yeah, yeah. Or even the shit days. Even the shit days. Because they like you know it's all part of the parcel. Yeah. Yeah. When it's not quite going to plan, my advice would be to step away chill out, go for a walk, and remember that it will all fall. It will all fall into place. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually. Yeah. I think it, it's like that trust in yourself, isn't it? Like, even on the worst days, something could go wrong. It's like it's like looking at those moments and just going, how, however shit they are, I trust myself to figure this out. Yeah. Like, you, it's that self-belief that you'll work it out, whatever happens. And I yeah. think that, that keeps me going forward. Like, yes, I know there's going to be worse days to come or bigger challenges, but I really trust myself having seen other women go through it or business owners in general, I'll figure it out. Yeah. You, just, you just get on with it. And what I, what, I, what I would say, actually, I did go through a phase of writing down challenges mm. in a book and then a few months later, I'd go back and reflect on that book. And sometimes I would just end up being like, oh, bless me, you're like laughing yeah. about it. Because I did get over it. I'm here now. We're yeah. alive. Yeah. It's all fine. And it's actually like they are, they start small, they get bigger. But then actually, you'll always figure it out because you and always have. And your confidence gets bigger yeah. along with those bigger challenges. Yeah, of course. You as a person develop and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, no, I love that. If I could describe myself as a businesswoman, I'd say that I am. Mm, confident. Mm -hmm. Motivated. And yeah, confident and motivated, I'm gonna go with. I can't think of any other good words. If I could go back to day one of my business, I'd tell myself. I would still do all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love that. So, I so. really believe in that though, because ultimately, like, it's a, a cheesy, but it, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Or if you have made those mistakes, A, you learn from them, but they always lead to something yeah. better or whatever. Yeah, and I think the challenges that I have had, and I've had some pretty big ones, but, you know, it's all helped me so much be mm -hmm. where I am and appreciate the good stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And very lastly, I want my legacy to be that. That I helped people that weren't comfortable being themselves to be themselves. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thanks. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to She Can, She Did. If you fancy being a complete star and doing your good deed for the day, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the She Can, She Did series a little boost and help others to find it. You can also attend the Midweek Mingles, the She Can, She Did event series for female founders and aspiring female business owners, featuring a whole lot of business inspiration and the all-important GNTs in equal measure. For more information and to book your ticket, head to www.shecanshedid.com. I would love to see you there. <laughs>